Alright everyone, let's call a timeout. This podcast is proudly sponsored by MIPS, the indemnity partner of four out of five healthcare students. It's free to become a student member. For more information regarding MIPS student membership, please visit qr.mips.com.au. I'm Aidan, and welcome to a very special episode of the Time Out podcast. For two years, the podcast has heard from many of the leading figures in surgery about their lives outside of medicine and their work in the operating theatre. But today we hear from the dedicated and meticulous people who help those very theatres tick, the nurses and technicians. I'm very lucky to be joined today by three such people, Tammy, Philly and Raj. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Thanks, Aiden. Aiden. Thank you, Aid. So it's great to have you all on the show and to be able to hear your stories today. I'm really looking forward to it. Later in the show, uh, we'll dive into some of the more important issues in surgery, such as teamwork, gender imbalance, and crucially, some of the do's and don'ts from your perspective from, uh, for medical students and for junior doctors in the operating theatre. Before we start, I'd like to add that all three of you work together in the very busy theatres at St Vincent's Private Hospital, Melbourne. And I've been lucky enough to work alongside you myself in between my university commitments, of course. So because of that, I know you'll have many pearls of wisdom to share with our listeners today, just as you have done with me over the past years. Thanks so much for appearing on the show. To start off by hearing more about your stories, I'd like to chat to you, Tammy, a little bit first and uh, hear a bit about how you came to work in the theatre environment. So Tammy, tell us a bit about your background and how you came to work here. Um, yeah, hi, I'm Tammy. Um, I am currently the Associate Nurse Unit Manager, um, one of the Associate Nurse Unit Managers um, in theatre here, and my main specialty that I look after is neurosurgery. Um, I first started nursing in 2000 and came to work in this department in 2003. Fantastic. So, Tammy, I'll, I'll zoom in on a few of those things there. Firstly, tell us how you got into nursing itself. What attracted you to the profession? Um, growing up, I was always noted as someone that cared for people and um, was always trying to mother everybody. Um, so it was sort of a, a natural progression um, from that point of view. I first started out as an enrolled nurse and um, then moved on to do my Bachelor of Nursing as an employee here actually. Um, in 2004 I started that degree. Um, so my role has changed quite a bit whilst working here and um, have sort of worked my way from the ground up so to speak. And uh, along the way, obviously, you've um, had lots of experiences that have shaped the directions that you've gone in. What were some of the things that attracted you to, firstly, the theatre environment within nursing and then towards neurosurgery, as you said, which is more your specialty? Um, the opportunity arose for me to um, do a course in theatre. I wasn't necessarily interested in theatre. I wanted to work in a hospital. And at the time, I wasn't working in hospitals. I was working 
um, agency work with nursing homes and um, being a personal carer. So I thought this would be a great way to get into working as in a hospital. And uh, it just so happened that uh, it was a periop course. Um, when I started, it was love at first sight. <laughs> um, it was just eye-opening and this whole world that I didn't really know existed um, was right there in front of me. Um, so it's been a long journey. Um, I've When I first started, I was um, learning amongst with there was a few of us in a group together and we we had our preceptors and we followed them along so um we just did what they did and it just i was lucky enough to have a preceptor that was um involved in cardiac mostly um so i saw a bit of a bit of cardiac um scrubbing and um when she was not around i did all the other stuff um so lots of obstetrics in general and upper gi and then um my preceptor went overseas volunteering and um, I ended up going under the wing of um, the orthopaedic associate nurse unit manager at the time and I landed in orthopaedics and this was about five months into my course and I thought this is pretty cool and uh, didn't look back from there I was an ortho queen as they call it Um, for a good 10 years after that and um, really dedicated my practice to orthopaedics and um, you know things evolved and um, we were becoming more and more busy with neurosurgery. I dabbled a bit in neurosurgery before I um, moved over there but um, yeah after about 10 years I jumped ship and uh, went over to neurosurgery and that's been amazing um yeah there's a, a a huge group of neurosurgeons that we have here that we look after and yeah character building every day but um you know very rewarding as well yeah and i imagine you know obviously there is um quite a spine focus um here and in neurosurgery in general which yeah. lends itself to a little bit of crossover perhaps with the orthopedic work absolutely there was uh it was just a, a different screw for a different part of the body. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, but yeah, there's, you know, there was a lot to learn, but putting it simply, it was a pretty easy transition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love hearing that, you know, that story of love at first sight. It's something we've heard from some of our surgeons, actually, that they were just so drawn to that environment. Yeah. And, um, you know, something I've felt, and I know a lot of med students also feel just really comfortable in the theatre. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you could explain just for our listeners uh, who might be more familiar with the specialisation uh, on the surgical medical pathway, do nurses kind of specialise in the same way? Do, do you have to specialise? How does that work? Um, you don't have to specialise. Um, if you come to theatre, it's a good idea to do some periop study. Um, there's a few courses going around that um, we can do. And um, then within that, um, you gain quite a few skills um, because you you rotate through the specialties. And um, it's 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 everyone just sort of falls into place where it suits them. Um, And, you know, we've got such amazing teams here 
Um, and, you know, we can change the flavour, so to speak, and, you know, do a non-neuro day and the ortho team will come and do plastics or, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a big family, but we do have our little groups of cousins, so to speak, that, you know, the neuro cousins and the ortho cousins and the plastics and general and obstetrics, so, yeah, and a cardiac as well. Yeah. Well, I really like that. It definitely seems like one of the advantages in being, you know, a scrub scout nurse um, and and a tech as well, as we'll hear, is you do get to keep that bit of variety and get to, you know, dip your hand into a few different things as you go on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Tammy, we've spoken a bit about your work and and what you do in the theatre. Tell us um, a little bit about what you get up to outside of work. What what kind of uh, interests do you have? Um, I have a, a family. Um, I have four babies. Um, they are aging between 23 and four years old. <laughs> that would keep you busy. It does keep me busy. Homeschool is an absolute joy, as yeah. I'm sure the <laughs> listeners would agree with me. Um, I, aside from my family, I um, have a passion for gardening, cooking, I'm sure many of you have tasted Delicious. my treasures. Delicious, <laughs> magnificent. Um, and um, I do like to do stuff with my hands, so um, painting, making things, um, you know, whatever needs to be done. So um, I'm, I'm always happy to try something and, um, you know, it just adds to the repertoire, doesn't it? Mm. That's so interesting to hear. We One question um, that I might pose to you in a second that we ask a lot of our surgeons is if you weren't a surgeon, what would you be doing? And very frequently, uh, a lot of the surgeons say something to do with their hands. So mm. constructing, painting, gardening, so, um, cooking, things like that. It's kind of the similar almost process following um, that, that we have in surgery. Yeah. What do you think it would be for you? Um, I really like building and landscape design. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in my spare time, (laughs) um, my husband and I are are sort of doing that ourselves with um, purchasing properties and um, renovating them and and selling them on. So it's just a little quiet thing that we're doing. But, um, yeah, it's – I'm very lucky to uh, have two careers going at the same time, so to speak, yeah. Yeah, well, fantastic. And Tammy, thanks very much for, for sharing that story. Um, looking forward to kind of delving a little bit more into some of those insights a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, we might move on to Philly, um, the theatre tech that we have on today. Philly, thank you very much. Can you, Pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. So I'm Philly and I'm a theatre technician and um, I'm probably one of the senior ones, so I'm a, I'm graded I'm ones. graded for, which means I'm either older or more of a specialist in the field. Um, so I came into this particular hospital through my placements. So I started off my certificate three in theatre technician, and we had to do three placements. So one was here, one was at a at the Alfred, and then my third one was 
by choice because they ask you, the educators ask you, where would you like to do your final one? I can put in a request. So I said, I'd really like St. Vincent's Private. I don't know, there was something about that hospital. It felt like home. Mm-hmm. And of course, my third one was done here. I actually, when I finished my certificate, I pestered them for a job and there'll be various people here in management who would tell you that I drove them nuts. I was ringing almost every day and saying, can I please have a job there? I really have to have a job. Eventually they got sick of me. I think that's why they hired me. (laughs) I have to be honest, yep. And I haven't looked back. It's been almost eight years And I started with just the basics in theatre technician work and moved my way up. And I'm part of, I have to say, Tammy's family, where I love neurosurgery. And we're not allowed to have favourites, but it is my favourite specialty. And one of your questions will probably get to why. So, yeah, Philly, tell us, um, you mentioned that that journey over the last eight years. Um, How did that all start? How did you get into theatre teching and and medicine as a whole? Yeah, so no interest whatsoever, straight up. I had no intentions in getting into medicine. I was, um, or into healthcare. I was 42 years old at the time, running very successful businesses, which uh, were basically cafes and corporate catering and event management and PR work. And I was really happy doing that. I was fortunate enough to sell my last uh, cafe at the time, ready to commence my new journey of a new business, which was once again a cafe, when my husband was diagnosed with a life-threatening brain tumour. Probably happened for a good time. I just sold the business. I thought, oh my gosh, two small children, a husband with a brain tumour and a business. I wasn't sure how I was going to manage it all. Fast forward, at the hospital when he was operated on, There was one nurse that stuck out, pulling out his staples out of his head. Just patiently, I was just sitting there watching her and I was just so, I was just held so much respect, not only just for her, for all the team that looked after him at the time, because it's actually quite frightening. Mm. And when you're sitting there for hours, you know, watching your loved one try and get better, you just go into a sense of, well, how do I thank these guys? And I thought the easiest way to thank them is by becoming one like them, you know, become something in healthcare. And, of course, I'm, I'm 42 years old and I'm like, I'm not going to uni for four and a half years to become a nurse and I didn't want to do this and I didn't want that. I wanted a quick foot in the door. So I just started to Google quickest foot in the door in healthcare that's the question I put in and it came up with operating theatre technician health health services and healthcare services I'm like okay I can do this and from yeah from that I did my certificate three and then not long after that I just wanted to complete my certificate four because I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed um taking on the grade one theatre technicians and helping them start here. So it's probably why our head technician here, when he started our current one, um, when he was introduced to all of us, his first thing to me was, oh, hello, Philly, Um, it's nice to meet you. So I hear you're the mum. 
of the text. So that was my intro to him. And I think I feel like I am. I feel like I need to, you know, it's my turn to help. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you are too. Yeah, Yeah. thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Um, That's, yeah, really interesting and, um, yeah, inspiring, Philly, to hear that story of, you know, you getting into healthcare. And as you say, the best way to thank them is become one of them. Um, And... Yeah, wonder whether that's a lesson people will take after the pandemic as well, you know. Um, I'm, I'm interested to know for you um, with that, the story of your, your husband's brain tumour, was it always neurosurgery or, or surgery more generally that attracted you to, to working in that healthcare environment? It wasn't neurosurgery as such because I really didn't know. Like I, I, I came here and I, what I think about here at this hospital is that because we do all the specialties so when you first start you're obviously not in neurosurgery there's just you know it's just too hard to get your head around neurosurgery as a technician there's just too much you know you you've got to be on the ball all the time eventually once I was introduced to neurosurgery I'll never forget this and this is a really good um, probably example why I remember doing a case and there was a patient in the anaesthetic bay left alone for almost the exact surgery that my husband had. And for some reason, I set up my theatre and I just wanted to sit in the anaesthetic bay with the patient. And I remember a fellow technician coming in and saying to me, what are you doing in here? This is not our role. And I just went, yeah, yeah, it is. Yes, it is. So our role starts with the patient and that is to make them feel comfortable so I know I knew my theatre was ready. My, my, as soon as my team was ready, I was ready. So I had nothing else really to do rather than just sit because I knew what it was like um, waiting, not only for the patient but also as a carer. So I, I'm a double person here now. I'm like I think for the patient because I've got one myself at home but it's also me. I'm the carer. So I, I kind of just feel that neurosurgery was uh, the thing for me. That's a really nice message, Philly, about everyone in the team, you know, the sole focus. At the end of the day, it's the patient. Correct. That's who you need to worry about. I think that's a a really good message for all of our listeners that, you know, at the end of the day, everything that you're doing should be going towards that and striving for caring for the patient as best we can. Even whilst they're going to sleep, you know, if they want me to hold their hand, and that is a request sometimes, can you hold my hand until I fall asleep? Mm -hmm. I'll do it. So, Philly, more generally speaking uh, for, you know, you mentioned what is and is not the role of the theatre technician. Um, For those of our listeners who are less familiar with what the theatre tech actually does, can you tell us a bit about your role in the operating theatre? Yeah, so as a theatre technician, it's not, because I have heard the um, the, the quote, you're the cleaners in the theatre. We're like, oh, gosh, here we go. Um, no, we're not. So you've got to have an understanding of, firstly, medical terminology. You can't set up a theatre for a case if you've got no idea what you're setting up for, so what part of the body you're setting up for. Um, the appropriate equipment, and I think that's why I like neurosurgery. There's just so much equipment to get organised. Um, it's also the patient positioning, and that's also very important. Um, it's also important to help the scout team and the scrub team. And sometimes there are also aspects of the job where sur- your own surgeon will say to you, can you just hold this for me for one second? Mm-hmm. Um, you you just got to be able to do 
everything. Yeah. And willing to do it. Yeah. Um, and I have, I remember um, when I started out as a tech, my, my boss saying to me that, you know, a good tech can really make or break a list um, in terms of helping it to run smoothly, getting everything on time. Um, and, you know, you telling us all of those. You got to be quick. Yeah. Not quick in a rush, messy quick. Yeah. Uh, you got to troubleshoot really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, um, yeah, there's a lot you do and a lot of, you know, thinking on your feet. Um, and as you say, a really integral part of that, that theatre team. Yeah, and timing. You, you, once you do so many cases over and over again, you're actually ahead of your surgeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, as you say, with you in the anaesthetic bay, you know, ready to go, yeah. So a similar question that I posed to Tammy, do theatre techs have that kind of route of specialisation or do you stay fairly general? How, how does that normally work? As far as what... Uh specialties we do i think what what we tend to find here is there are certain technicians who prefer to do certain cases and that actually works really well here because there's a really nice balance there are some that don't particularly like this particular surgery others do so amongst us technicians if we're put into a case where we know our fellow technician would rather do it and I, vice versa. We just ask management or our head tech, would you mind? Mm. It's, it's, it's also very good if you put in cases where you're not familiar with mm-hmm. because there's going to be a situation where you're going to be called in mm. or that, pater- that particular person's um, specialty, they might be on leave. Mm-hmm. And then it's also sometimes quite difficult and I'd have to mention in a deep brain stimulation case which has got a lot of things to organize um, and and Tammy could probably add to this quickly it's all about also the timing of what happens next what happens next what happens next it's it is meticulous and if you've got someone who knows what they're doing like you said it runs a lot smoother so it's good that we all love our specialties and do them but we also need to hand them over sometimes to others. It's like when you're timing an engine, you've got to get the rhythm right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we have to share. So, Philly, um, again, you've told us a lot about your work and, and what you do. Um, you mentioned the work that you did beforehand with the, you know, the cafes and the catering. Um, now that you're working here as a tech full-time, what else keeps you busy outside of work? Uh, my garden. Yes. I'm a bit like Tammy. Yeah, I know. But I love cutting the lawn. So my husband and I fight <laughs> literally over the lawnmower. Mm. But I tend to do it on Monday on my day off. So that way the grass isn't ready on Sunday when he's home. So there's no more arguments. Um, I also on my, probably my spare time, I like to get on the, um, on the stocks. So yeah, yeah. Would I ever do cafes and businesses again? Eh, probably not. I'm 51 now. I've got a few more years at St. V's and then I'll probably call it quits, yeah. I think. Yeah. In having said that, I could also envision myself being here doing something else, not necessarily theatre technician because it's very physical and I don't think my body will um, – I'm not a huge person, so I don't think my body will be able to take much more after 55. 
But I'd like to do something else here, even if it's voluntary, a day a week, two days a week. I don't know, the next Julie Wang maybe. I don't know. Mm, okay. Well, uh, well, yeah, watch this face. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as a final question, Philly, um, is there anything you're listening to, reading, watching, anything that you could recommend to our listeners at the moment? Anything that's caught, caught your attention during lockdown perhaps? Other than Netflix episodes? Mm, hey, that counts. Mm. I just watched Dr. Death. Oh, what did you think that of that? That was awful. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah? Yeah, it was awful. That's interesting, being yeah. in the, the very special two you work in. Yeah, 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 it's awful. Some of it's, you know, pretty brutal. Mm. I could see some characteristics, you know, as far as arrogance, and we'll get into that, you know, where what what new and up-and-coming doctors should be like as far as personality and arrogance doesn't get you very far so mm-hmm. that's interesting mm. have you watched that tammy and i have not um, <laughs> deliberately so thank you so much philly and certain last but certainly not least raj um we would love to meet you tell us a little bit about yourself and and your background um, hi, I'm Raj. Um, I grew up, I was born and grew up in India. I did my nursing in India. Um, I worked for three or four years, three, three and a half years before I came to Australia. And I have always been a theater nurse. I completed my nursing um, and I straight went into theater. The reason why I went into theater, because my elder brother is also a theater nurse mm-hmm. and he also does um he also scrubs for orthopedic surgeries. Oh. So looking at him, I was inspired. Right. When I was doing my placement as a student nurse, I just loved being uh, assisting for surgeries yeah. and passing the instruments and saws and drills and, you know, <laughs> all those things. So that inspired me and I went into nursing when after completing, I became a theater nurse. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you mentioned your um, older brother, was it his influence that attracted you to nursing in the first place or, or what else inspired you to go in that direction? So I come from a nursing family right. or if I put it as this way, I come from a healthcare family. Yeah. My uncle is an orthopedic surgeon back in India. Yeah. My mother is a nurse. My, grandma, my grandmother is a nurse, <laughs> grandmother was a nurse. Uh, my father was a stores manager in the same hospital where I did my nursing. <laughs> So, and my bro- older brother is a nurse. Mm-hmm. So I come from a healthcare family where everyone, as I was growing up, I used to see everyone going to the hospital. So in my head, I had this, I always had this, that there is only one profession, healthcare. <laughs> there is nothing else in the world. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I went into nursing Yeah. after my mom and my brother. Fantastic. And um, it seems like an inspired choice um, that you mentioned orthopedics and you now are um, here in Melbourne an, an orthopedic specialist scrub nurse. Um, was that the only thing you ever had your sights on? Was there anything else that attracted you along the way? So when I started uh, as a periop scrub nurse, I was rotated in all the specialties back home, being colorectal, uh, gynae, orthopedic, but I mainly like trauma orthopedic because of you know it doesn't stay the same it's always different all the fractures are different there are so many vast varieties of equipments needed and so that really fascinated me that you know oh this is good i need to do this then when i came to australia 
I was employed. This is my first job at Saint Vincent's. So I was employed here, and I was in DPU. I worked there for nearly two, two and a half years. Uh, after that, the hospital sponsored me to do my postgraduate. Um, while I was doing the postgraduation, I was rotated in all the three campuses: yeah. Kew, uh, Mercy, uh, East Melbourne. I, I should say, Kew, East Melbourne, and Fitzroy. Yeah. During that rotation, I was also, you know, exposed to major orthopedics like joint replacements, yeah. neurosurgery, plastics, um, lots of, you know, ENT. When I went to um, East Melbourne, mm -hmm. um, but I always had this passion of trauma orthopedic in me, and being an elective um, hospital, mm -hmm. we mainly do lots of joint replacements and elective orthopedic surgeries. Mm -hmm. So that aspect somewhere. I couldn't fulfill mm -hmm. and just a couple of years ago I thought you know I should just go ahead and explore a little bit more so I applied I, I am uh, working part-time at the northern at the moment mm -hmm. and part-time at St. Vincent's here okay. where I get a bit of both elective as well as emergency cases okay. when I'm at northern I'm doing a uh, lots of um, trauma orthopedic cases yeah. and when I'm at St. Vincent's I'm you know scrubbing for all the major orthopedics and um, I a little bit I help a little bit for neurosurgery as well um, and yeah fantastic yeah it sounds like you really get the balance in um, as you say between that kind of unpredictable nature of trauma and then uh, more of what we specialize in here which is that elective joint replacements where it's you know the well-oiled team and it's you know almost the same every time um, do you have you know, a favorite um, procedure or a particular, you know, memory of, of a procedure or something that you've done that's really stuck in your mind? So while I was doing my rotation as a um, postgrad mm -hmm. in 2013, while I was getting rotated on, in all the uh, hospitals, that's where I was truly exposed to the vast number of cases mm -hmm. that they do here. Like coming from India, I was, uh, you know, scrubbing for limited number of cases and my knowledge was limited but when i when i was exposed to such a you know uh, variety of cases and such a big field to learn something uh, i remember one day i was um, doing my rotation in plastics where do where they do lots of flaps and you know mastectomies mm -hmm. i never I, I had never seen something like that before i didn't know that that something like that could be done right. when um, a woman is getting, you know, having a breast cancer. Mm -hmm. There's a mastectomy happening and there's a reconstruction of the breast. That was really fascinating. So the first time I saw that case, I was like, wow. I was blown away with the the efforts the surgeons put in, the yeah. nurses, technicians, and, you know, everyone coming together for that one patient and just changing their life. That was really inspiring. Yeah, and I guess um, that's a great kind of lesson as a whole of that's what we do in surgery and um you know it's this team of eight ten twelve people in a theater all looking after that one patient so um, i think that's a really good reflection one thing i'm interested in hearing from you raj is you mentioned working in india for three and a half years you've come to melbourne you work in both the public and the private systems here how do you kind of compare and contrast them um, we've spoken to a lot of surgeons this year who, who work in both, which is, is quite common. And 
you know, a lot of them say that Australia has pretty good balance between public and private surgery. Um, how do you see that? And, you know, how do you see the, the different strengths of the public and private system and then compared to another country? Well, here in Australia, the public and private system, it's it's a two different world for mm-hmm. me, I think. When I'm, when I'm at St. Vincent's, uh, everything I feel that it's more efficient and fast changeover is quick mm-hmm. no uh, mucking around time to waste mm-hmm. it's like you know everyone knows everyone's full of knowledge everyone knows what they're doing uh, no one has to be reminded oh this is the surgery i need this these things organized they they know because they have done so many similar number of similar fashion cases that they have got vast knowledge when i go to public there are experienced staff and there are also learners. Yeah. Obviously, public setting is something where they also focus on, you know, teaching. And there are lots and lots of students coming, registrars, um, you know, uh, interns, and uh, people doing their program and fellowship. Lots and there's, so there's uh, learning happening happening in every aspect. Anesthetic aspect, there is learning happening. Technician, scrub nurse, surgeon. So, so that kind of um, slows things down but doesn't change the effectiveness efficiency stays the same Um, it's just that uh, just the pace of everything Mm -hmm. when I come here two days it's quick (laughs) have to have your coffee yeah (laughs) it's very quick and when I go there it's a bit relaxing but efficient yes yeah Yeah, I think that's a really good summary as compared to as you asked as you as you said, mm. I have to compare it to how it was back home. Mm. Um, it was kind of similar to the public setting where there. I come from. I have. Did, I did my nursing in Wanless uh, Hospital, which is a 150 year old old hospital, which was established by um, uh, British when they colonized in right. India. So, it's a big organization. They have got 10 theaters. It's a multi-specialty hospital where they do lots of surgeries. And they have got students coming. Like It's basically just like a public hospital where there's, you know, f- focused on teaching. Lots of teaching involved. Anesthetist is teaching the anesthetic registrar. Yeah. And they are all collaborated with the universities there right. uh, who have got, um, you know, who uh, run medicine courses, n- nursing courses. They are all collaborated to that uh, university. Mm-hmm. So it was more like the public setting here. Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting reflection. And um, as you say, kind of highlights the two strengths of our two systems that you have this um, really effective system in the public system that can teach and you know brings up the, the nurses and techs and doctors of the future. Um, but then also this private system that, as you say, is like that, that well-oiled machine, yeah. So, um, Raj, I'm interested to hear, outside of having two separate jobs, um, what else keeps keeps you busy? Uh, my kids, yeah. definitely. <laughs> I have two girls. Yeah. One is seven and the other one is uh, three and a half. Mm-hmm. So they keep me busy mm-hmm. on my weekends, especially. And I like reading also. Yes. So uh, I read. I read. Um, at the moment, I'm reading a book which is called The Hidden uh, Life of a Tree. Mm which mainly focuses on um, how trees live longer if they are together 
like um, and how trees don't live if they're separated from each other wow. so um, this book also focuses on how um, for the trees in the forest can live long as compared to the trees isolated in cities because they are all connected up through the roots yeah. and they pass the information through the roots so they don't uh, let the other one die or get undernourished mm. in forest and they also maintain that microclimate for each other mm. whereas in the cities or isolated trees they're not connected mm. they're separated mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so if there is you know famine or drought or you know uh, they don't get the nourishment that they require mm. so and it's and i just wanted to put this as well while i'm here yeah. that at the moment there is covid happening mm. everywhere and there is vaccine people who believe in vaccination and the people who are not believe in vaccinations mm-hmm. but from what i am reading this book what i what i can understand is in forest the trees live together and they live for longer because they are all together and they are all connected so they don't have many gaps in between because they can maintain that microclimate for the uh, trees to survive mm-hmm. once if they do deforestation if they do deforestation if there are less trees in the forest the trees won't live for a long time so in the same way if we all are vaccinated we all are safe mm-hmm. if we all are not vaccinated some of them are vac- some of them are vaccinated some are not vaccinated then no one is safe. Sounds like you need to go to Glasgow for the Sustainability yeah. Summit. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to send Scott Morrison a letter. <laughs> send Raj. Fantastic Raj. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, that's very insightful. Well, look, I'm hoping to continue the insightful thoughts and insightful comments by um, opening up for a little bit of a panel discussion uh, between the four of us. Um, one thing that I'll start off with is, you know, hearing from your stories, you've all spent different time, a different amount of time in the medical system itself. And um, obviously that's, that's changing so quickly. And um, the medical system that a lot of our listeners will work in in the future is going to be very different to how it is now. And, and that's very different from how it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. Um, I'm interested to, to go around and hear a little bit about um, what are the major changes that you've seen in your time and um, what are the most important changes perhaps that need to happen in the future? Um, when I first started scrubbing, laparoscopy was pretty new. Mm. <laughs> um, so that's been a massive um, change in the way things are done and I think it's been a brilliant change because the patient outcomes are just so much better. Mm-hmm. The um, surgery time, the recovery time, the patient satisfaction, um, just the efficiency of doing it, and you know all the evidence-based stuff that we take on. It's it's quite um, it can be life-changing for all these patients, mm-hmm. and um, just so beneficial. Um, yeah, so I think that's where my eyes open because you know I had half the surgeons doing big massive laparotomies Mm. and then not necessarily the new guys but uh, a lot of the new guys and a lot of the the more senior surgeons taking on laparoscopy 
and um, you know it's it's second nature now mm. it's unusual to have a laparotomy these days mm. so um, that'd be probably the biggest thing that I've seen um, yeah. it's made the biggest impression I would say and then it's um, interesting we've chatted to some of our surgeons about robotic surgery which might be absolutely the next logical step yeah on. yeah well that's um, certainly um, coming to a neuro theater near you yes. <laughs> um, along with all the other Stay toys tuned. that we have um, but uh, yeah you are absolutely correct Aidan robotics is huge mm-hmm. and it's not going away that's for sure so um, yeah so very exciting mm. and Phil you you know get to operate all of this amazing new equipment on a daily basis what are the changes you've seen and the direction that you see us yeah, heading in it's funny you mentioned that because I when you asked that question all I could think of was, um, was to say as a theatre technician the equipment's getting heavier and bigger <laughs> And more expensive, probably. Too. And more expensive, which <laughs> that, that small CT that we've got sitting outside the theatres—that's not not very light at all, is it? Yeah, no. What is he? Nine hundred kilos? Is yeah. that what he is? Mm. Oh, he's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's really the um, only change I've really seen, and that's more equipment. But in having said that, heavier, but like Tammy said, so efficient. You know, isn't it great to have a, a CT scan intraoperative? Yeah for the patient right you know save a lot of time and you know it's more efficient um the robotic stuff's all good too mm-hmm. and it's interesting robotics obviously is finding a place in orthopedics um yes. increasingly raj and you know there's a lot of the joint replacements are guided uh, image guided now tell us a little bit about those kind of advances and what you see in theater when i started um Back in 2012, they were still um, they they were mainly focusing on navigated mm. joint replacements. Um, when it comes to knee replacements, also for the hip replacements, they started navigating the acetabulum part mm-hmm. uh, to navigate the uh, the angle of the cup and the direction of how the cup sits. But since 2018, when Mako was launched and you know Saint Vincent's purchased it, it kind of changed everyone sort of. Um, you know, getting used to the Mako and the robotic uh, joint replacements, it is so easy to use in terms of scrub, scrub, scrub perspective. Mm. We have got less trays, less equipments, um, not many um, steps or gadgets to put together. Uh, it's straightforward. Does it make it quicker as well? Yes, because we don't have to um, try to change the cutting blocks and change the pins every time if we are doing a knee replacement Mm -hmm. it is quicker once the robot is set all ready to go registered then it is quicker Mm. and it also depends on how quick the surgeon is yes exactly um and then of course you know as tammy mentioned those um evidence-based guidelines that we're seeing a lot of these things are much better for patients as well which is a real positive yeah so um one of the themes that all of you really have touched on when telling us a bit about yourself is talking about working in a theatre environment and being part of a team. So not not doing your job and then that's really it. Um, being part of that team that is all there, um, as Philly said, all everyone's there for the patient. And 
I want to hear a little bit more about, you know, scrub nurses and, and scout nurses and theatre techs role in that team. What are the things that you think make those teams work so well and um, the, the things that you've picked up whilst working in those teams that can help them function better? I think we've got an unspoken language. Mm. We've got masks on, goggles on. Um, our eyes can talk a whole language. Mm-hmm. Um, if I need something, I can look at my scout nurse. I don't have to open my mouth. Um, and I know that's something that we've developed over working together, but it just shows how well we work together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, and, you know, that unspoken language within the team, um, it's contagious. Um, so, you know, you could be in the most highly efficient energetic theatre that is dead silent. Um, and that's really fun because mm-hmm. um, you have a good laugh afterwards. But, you know, um, the surgeon could be playing ACDC quite loudly as well and mm-hmm. it still works. Yeah, um, yeah it's just... The team is so important. Mm. Um, Totally. You know, we, if someone in the team is not right on the day, it does affect all of us. Everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But in saying that, the other team members will band together and say, all right, I'll help you out a bit more today and, you know, just Mm. take a bit more of the load. So, Mm. yeah. It's almost like that. you know, we hear sometimes from surgeons about getting in the zone, like almost into that flow state. Yeah. Um, it's almost like what happens on a more macro level with the whole team. It's Put just, the blinkers on. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and get into that flow. Is that kind of unspoken language something that you experience and use, Raj, as well? Yes, uh, that's really true. Like if every member in the theatre is efficient and they know the steps, what's going to happen next, what my scrub nurse is going to need, if the scout nurse knows then, yeah, I agree that the scrub nurse doesn't have to say anything because mm. the scout nurse will just look at what's happening and then, oh, they're closing. So next step is dressing. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. they can just read. They don't have to speak. Yeah. And then that also helps in the efficiency and how quicker the surgery is, the changeover, mm. et cetera, et cetera, everything. Yeah. I think it all comes down to, also, we all, I think we all respect each other. I think respect plays a big mm. Um, role Um, because you know I find that I'm probably not quite as a a normal theatre technician as the others that we start at seven and I'm here at quarter past five in the morning setting up my theatre but it just feels so good Mm. knowing that you've contributed to the scout the scrub team the anaesthetists when they walk in and they're like their theatre's ready to go, but it's only, you know, 5.30 in the morning. But I think that, and Tammy can, you know, jump in on this. I think when you walk in and you open your theatre doors and you know you're in there and your theatre's ready to go, it I think it already sets the mood of the day. Mm. You know, it's given me the opportunity as a theatre technician to troubleshoot yeah. all the equipment, the operating tables, making sure they're ready to work and they're working properly. And there has been times where I've come in and, something is not good and I've got one hour to fix it. Mm. So I, I kind of think it's also so good that we're all involved in loving 
what we do and supporting each other. Yeah. I mean, I don't want Tammy to come in and I'm in that theatre with her, hypothetically, and something's not right. It just changes. It would change the mood of how we're going to get this yeah. this case cracking. Mm. And what did, uh, apart from uh, getting here unbelievably early, Philly, what are the other strategies that you use to, to deal with those challenges, whether it's specifically a theatre tech problem or just in general, if something goes wrong in theatre, um, what do you do to, to play your part in dealing with that? You, I think you, your head goes into um, like a, a, a troubleshooting, okay, what, what can I do on my own here now without alarming um, the situation or escalating it? Mm-hmm. So you just calm down and just just think what in your scope of practice you can do to fix it and I usually just do that and mm-hmm. you know and then when they come in it's like nothing's happened even though I've been yep. scratching my head for an hour <laughs> but um yeah and I just love the fact that we can just all be really happy when we walk in yeah yeah that's good um Tammy and Raj w- what do you think how do you deal with those challenges in the theatre whether they're you know, in the setup or maybe intraoperatively if there's a complication, um, how, how would you deal with that? Oh, if, if an issue arises preoperatively, if we're setting up and we know that it's going to um, affect the procedure or the outcome, um, the, you have to communicate. Um, so patients not in the theatre yet, let's let the anesthetist know. Yep. Don't come in, don't go asleep. We need five minutes. Yeah. And that's, yep, no worries. Thanks for letting us know. Mm-hmm. Same thing um, in letting the surgical team know. Um, and then we communicate. So if there's a hole in the um, the wrap, the sterile wrap for our tray, we need to get that out to the sterilizing department pretty quickly and um, communicate with them that the patient's either on the table or, you know, it's the patient that's coming into theatre. We need it um, as soon as possible, but it's going to be an hour and a half or, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully not 10 minutes before we need it. (laughs) Um, What can we do? Yeah, and if there's another option, we do our best to provide that other option um, so that, you know, the show can go on. Yeah. yeah, I think that communication, that, that lesson of communication is important for absolutely everyone. 100%. Yeah. 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 If you can't communicate, it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. Have you found that as well, Raj, that, you know, those strategies of keeping a cool head, keeping everyone in the loop of what's going on and, um, you know, thinking absolutely, through the options? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, because um, in theatre, there as we all know multidisciplinary team so many people coming together uh, cases get booked um, weeks in advance especially for elective lists uh, lots of companies are involved for sometimes just for one case lots of companies are involved their products their equipments are sent a day before or week before documentation plays a part communication plays a part um, every person involved in that healthcare to provide that particular, you know, to provide for that patient, to care for that patient, for that particular surgery. Everything is important. And especially when, you know, 
challenges involved as a scrub nurse there are lots of challenges mm-hmm. from starting the case to the finishing the case uh, having hole in the tray everything plays an important part mm. yeah no, i think that's good lessons for um yeah as i said really any role that you're playing in theater that communication is so key and coming back to that goal of everyone being there to care for the patient so in terms of that surgical team a lot of our listeners here at the time out are you know medical students junior doctors other people in healthcare who are really involved and interested in surgery um and when planning this episode one thing i know i was really really keen to hear from you all uh was the the do's and don'ts in theaters so so for the medical students and the junior doctors um what are the things that uh, are fantastic to do and make your presence known in a really positive way as part of a team and what are some of the mistakes that you see us make as as med students or as junior doctors that um, we could could focus on to help us be you know play that positive role in theatre. I think there is absolutely no stupid question mm-hmm. that can come from anybody in a theatre. Um, so it's we don't expect you to walk in and know how things are done, and um, we would like to be asked, um, you know, why do you do it like that? How does that work? Yeah. Can you show me? Um, that is a, an absolutely shining light to me yes. that says, okay, I'm going to spend some time with you because you're actually interested in, in what's happening. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a two-way conversation that we're having. Um, you, you know, you're asking the question um, – and I'm more than prepared to give you the answer if I know the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and if I don't know the answer, I will tell you who has the answer and give you as much information as, as I can. Mm. Um, yeah. So don't come in pretending to know everything, mm-hmm. because I think that's where you'll come unstuck. You're not going to learn as much as you can. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, that might be you know whether it's common or certainly it happens that lots of you know us med students or junior doctors have just had so much time learning Mm. textbooks theory and you know perhaps easy to to think you know it all um but the theater environment's just totally different Different. yeah it's a bit different to a picture um yeah and you know if you've got the chance to put a gown and gloves on Mm please do yeah. yeah and um yeah just don't stand in our way that's all because <laughs> we're, we're trying to um you know get the job done as quickly as possible yeah. and as carefully as possible and we don't want to stab you yes. so yes. <laughs> by accident of course <laughs> but i suppose in a, also in a theater technician perspective mm-hmm. for the junior yeah. doctors it's um and if you're you know you're scrubbed and you're you're there for the whole procedure i think the the don't for me is don't walk out of the theater before your patient is off the table mm. like there are there are prone patients that need to be put back on their um on their bed um after their theater and i have to walk out looking for people sometimes and it's like yeah don't do that just stay help us you know flip the patient and yeah 
yeah. always be involved. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you're going to be engaged, you need to be involved. Yeah. yeah. And I just think being pleasant, like I know it must be so nerve-wracking for junior doctors. I couldn't imagine how difficult it could be. But um, I think having a calm personality mm. will go a long way. Yeah, and I imagine it's probably then reflected back on the junior surgeon. If you're calm, it kind of calms yes. everyone down. And yeah, yeah. Well, I think the do's would be just be kind to everyone, um, respectful, humble in learning. If you don't know something, just um, you know, raise your hand, say, "I don't know. Can you please teach me about it?" Mm-hmm. I haven't never I have never seen this before. Mm-hmm. I'm really keen to learn, but I have never seen this before. So all those, you know, just be humble and kind and patient and yeah and the don'ts would be um don't pretend as tammy said to know everything Mm -hmm. as soon as you walk in the theater touch stuff and and especially um don't touch the scrubs trolley (laughs) without (laughs) without uh you know asking the scrub nurse that our listeners is the cardinal sin yeah Yeah. don't touch the scrub trolley yeah (laughs) especially the shops yeah Yeah. and i tend when i work at the northern or you know in the public hospital i tend just to tell the registrars and the students who are learning they don't know how important it is the count and stuff so um just don't touch the trolley don't touch, stay away from sharps and always ask the scrub nurse. Yeah. 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 Read the room, you know. When I say read the room, the operating room, read the characters in your room, in your operating room. Mm-hmm. Don't go and ask someone maybe a question who you can already see is having a bad day. Yeah. You know, you've got to learn. I, I don't know whether it's a textbook chapter in, you know, your medical educations, but you've, no, but I think it's important to read personalities and read the room. I I really do. Yeah. And I, I think that those kind of common themes are, um, it's interesting hearing quite similar things from all of you, you know, be kind, be friendly to everyone in theatre, you know, introduce yourself. And then the second thing is just be, be honest. Say, you know, I don't know something, as you said, Raj. You know, can, can you teach me? And one thing I've learned from all of you is that you're a wealth of knowledge and it's just, you know, they're ready to be asked. Um, so all of these junior surgeons are coming in and, you know, have all of the textbook experience but might not have the practical experience can, can really learn a lot from the, the theatre staff. It's happened to me where I've been in a theatre and I've, I've actually never done it before and I've just mm. said, oh, hi, I'm Philly. I have never done this case before. And then, you know, yeah, then they'll just say, that's fine, no problem, I'll tell you. And, you know, and I I suspect it's the same with anyone, whether you're a junior doctor or, you know, new in nursing. It'd be the same thing, just be honest. I have seen that honesty, you know, as a med student, I have seen that honesty in you. So every time I work with you, Eden, I see that honesty. Oh, you're very kind. Is that because I don't know a lot of things? <laughs> no, no. You know a lot of things, but still you're honest. That's important. Yeah, you're always engaged. And you're, 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 I love your two questions. They're my two favorites. Aiden's looking at me thinking, what, they might. what can I do and how can I help you? And they are remarkable. Mm-hmm. If all new theatre technicians were like Aiden. <laughs> Oh, well, you're very kind. It'd be amazing. Mm. 
but uh, uh, there you go. I think, you know, Philly's two questions. There you They're go. Valid like questions. They yeah. are. They really are. What can I do and how can I what help can you? What can I do and how can I help you? Yeah. I love them. I love hearing them. Oh, that's very good. Mm. To extend that discussion a little bit, um, all of these, you know, listeners, the med students and the, the junior doctors are, uh, you know, interested in surgery and then hopefully will be the boss one day and, and you know, the surgical consultant who is effectively running the theatre. Um, I'm interested to hear from you three once you get into that position. What Again, what are the do's and don'ts? You know, what are the things that you have seen that work well and what are those that don't? Tammy's raising her hand excitedly here. <laughs> I think team selection is paramount. Yeah. And by team selection, I mean in your rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, if your rooms can't communicate with us it's going to be tricky to, from the start. Um, so, again, communication is huge. Um, we need to know what you're booking and what you want to use for that booking. If we don't have that information, we can't help you. Mm-hmm. Um, so choose your team carefully. Um, when you come here for the first time, introduce yourself. Um, sit down with your... Um, specialty um, manager and just have a quick chat Mm -hmm. five minutes of your time um, you know this is what I'm doing Um, my interests are in this type of um, subspecialty Um, have you got this equipment if not how many procedures do I need to do before you buy that equipment for me Um, those types of conversations are invaluable because um, that gives us feedback to then give to other parts of the hospital, business development and, um, you know, perioperative services to um, say, hey, this is what this doctor's planning on doing. How exciting is that? And let's, um, mm-hmm. let's make it happen for them. Um, so I think that's the best foot forward to start off and get a good team at the rooms and then start those conversations when you first get here mm. and then the rest is easy right. uh, yeah yeah um and then you know the next step is being in the theater itself um raj in terms of kind of working directly with the surgeon as you do as a um as a scrub scout nurse you know as you say passing the instruments and anticipating the next move What are the things that you have noted make the theatre run really well? Um, Obviously, it will be the first thing would be communication. Uh, The nurse, the scrub nurse and the scout nurse, it's always uh, good to tell them beforehand what is required, what's Mm -hmm. the plan of the surgery and uh, what equipments are we using. Mm -hmm. When the scrub nurse and the scout nurse know what the plan is, what equipments are they, they can always check and make sure everything is there before the start of the procedure Mm -hmm. rather than noticing at the time when the patient's already uh, you know anesthetized and then we notice um, this is not there and that is not there and then the patient get gets cancelled that's um, that's uh, you know really unfortunate something to have it's yeah communication plays a big part in here Mm. so if the surgeon talks to the nurse what they need what they're planning i think that that's uh, that will make things more efficient mm. and i imagine knowing the surgeon's 
plan would be important for a theatre tech as well, Philly, in terms of the equipment you're going to need and, and getting that communicated um, yeah. early enough. Yeah, absolutely. And there's sometimes there has been times when you'll read your list and you will question maybe something's not on here. Yeah. And that's fine. You'll ask your manager that's in charge of that day to just double-check it. Um but it is important. Communication is by far the most important. I'm surprised no one said buy coffees for the theatre staff. Does that help? Oh, that does help. Yeah. <laughs> that does help. So w- one final um, very important issue that, that I wanted to touch on, and it's one that we've touched on with a lot of our guests this year, is of gender and surgery and um, perhaps how um, that, is changing over time and some of the work that's being done towards that surgical fields, you know, is pretty well known, fairly well dominated by males. And there's a lot of work being done in that space. Um, But it's interesting to have you all here today. um, Nurses, which, you know, is a field historically dominated by women. Um, And then um, theatre techs as well. I imagine there's probably slightly more men in theatre teching. Yeah, so um, Philly, we might start with you. How do you feel um, gender plays a role in that team? And, you know, do you think there's more work to be done from your perspective on that? I I don't think we need more work to be done. Mm. Um, Not now. Eight years ago, probably, I, I felt it was really hard. It was very difficult because, like I mentioned before, the hospital equipment, um, some of the stuff's really heavy and, you know, patients are heavy too. You know, you remember um, flipping someone from a supine to a prone position. Um, you need quite a few hands on deck. Um, I, do, I do recall when I, re- when I first started, um, I was already in the theatre and I had just come in at the end of the case. I was relieving one of my fellow techs and um, I was there about to slide the patient to the... Uh, to their bed so I was on the receiver side mm-hmm. for example and this my this particular surgeon was standing on the other side and um he's going where's the tech is the tech in here and I'm standing right there yeah. <laughs> so no, I think it's ba- probably because I was this little female yeah. I probably assumed I was a nurse right. and so I've of course I've just said I'm your theatre technician and he's just looked at me and he's a very lovely surgeon. So I'm not even going to mention his name because I really I think he's lovely. He comes around, grabs my little wrist, puts his fingers around my wrist and goes, are you strong enough to be a technician? <laughs> and I've said, yes, I am. Yeah. Um, so so it, it's funny how it's typically a possibly – um, boy, we a male with tattoos down his arms or his legs yeah. or you know, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So I, I think yeah, I think it's uh, hard to pinpoint whether I'm a technician. I still get it today right. with new doctors walking in saying, "Are you my anaesthetic nurse?" Right. I'm like, yeah, yeah no. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. Um, Tammy, from your perspective, you're uh, you know working in a team of nurses that is definitely female dominated with surgeons that's definitely male dominated how do you find that i don't think gender really plays a role Mm. you you can either do the job or you can't um so from that perspective that's 
that's how we work. Um, and, you know, everyone's welcome to come and try. So, um, yeah, I don't, I really don't think gender is a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. When, um, if I can revert back to when we started speaking, um, when I first went into nursing, I had um, the dean of nursing tell me at the time that I couldn't possibly manage to um, undertake a nursing degree with a small child to care for as well. So that gave me some drive. and I, I, from that point on, I decided, well, I'll show you, won't I? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. that might be I'm a sure character enough. trait that I <laughs> have at the moment. Yeah. I always have had, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, wanting to prove to myself more than anything else that if I want to do it, I'm going to damn well do it. So, um, And I think if, um, if my team members are on board... You know, it's just, it's like a symphony. It's really beautiful to watch how well things go. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so, and gender's out the door. It's, yeah, yeah, Mm. it's, it's just not there. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, just, just do the job and focus on that. It's knowledge over gender. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Raj, as a male nurse, you would be in the minority. Have you ever found that to, to be a problem or an issue for you at all? Um, not in terms of the skills and the care we provide, yep. but of course, multitasking. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> male nurse, as a male nurse, I cannot multitask. I can only focus on. I cannot only. Fo- I can only focus on what I'm doing. Yes. And maybe that's why I thought of becoming a scrub nurse, right. where I'm scrubbing and just you know, assi- just doing scrubbing, <laughs> just assisting, yeah. and. That's why maybe I'm not an ICU nurse and a ward nurse because I think that's where multitasking plays a big role. Well, we've heard some fantastic things from you all today. I'd like to get one last thought from you each um, that we can leave with our listeners, You know, many of whom are thinking of pursuing work in an operating theatre themselves. Um, what to you is, is one fantastic lesson that, that you've learned that you would take away from your time? Uh, in theatre that you can pass on to the listeners today? I would say that if you want to inspire people to follow you and be on your team, you've got to lead by example. So as the saying goes, treat others as you would like to be treated yourself. Um, Involve the team members in, in what you're doing. Um, because at the end of the day, you can't work in a team on your own and you can't operate on your own. You need the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what I would say. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You also have to love it. You, you don't learn from something you don't love. Mm-hmm. That's just a golden rule of anything. Yeah. I think um, all the listeners who will be future consultants and you know they they'll select their own stream what they want to do mm-hmm. i think the main important thing would be not to forget how they have reached that stage um just um how they have learned the struggle the you know all the stages that they have been through to become and achieve what they have achieved um just keep that in mind and when you 
go out there and become a consultant and you know operating just start respecting people from the bottom of the hierarchy to the top mm-hmm. equally mm-hmm. yeah i think you need to be kind to yourselves too because i've seen some of the little junior doctors come through with exhaustion mm-hmm. so i think you've got to be kind to yourself too you got to forget don't forget yourself yeah yeah you have to be healthy to yep. ma- help make others healthy yep. yeah and yeah. you'll feel good yeah that's true well look that's a, a really fantastic note to finish on and um, it, it does bring our chat to a conclusion, but I'd like to thank you all again so much for sharing your thoughts. And, you know, as such an important part of that theatre environment, um, I'm really glad that we were able to hear all of your perspectives. And I'm sure, like me, our listeners will take a lot away from our chat. Tammy, Philly and Raj, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks for thank having us here. Thanks thank for you. inviting us. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Time Out, brought to you by Aidan, Ganisht, Chloe and Noreen. We'd love to hear from you if you're enjoying our interviews or have any ideas for the show on Facebook and Twitter at TTO Podcast and on Instagram at TTO Podcast SSSM. Don't forget to subscribe to The Time Out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts as well. Finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Medical Indemnity Protection Society and the Department of Surgery at the University of Melbourne for their ongoing support.